You busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. The last few things that have occurred within the last couple of days has led me to this particular conversation at hand. I have realized that my need for agreeableness, which I found out when I took a class survey or a, I think it was a class assessment. And one of the things that I realized about my personality trait is that I have a high level of agreeableness, which ultimately means I like for everyone to get along. I like for it to be calm, cool waters, all that extra rah-rah, hoorah, drama, tension. I don't do my best in. And so I really, really try my best to make sure that, hey, you and I on one accord, you and I can agree to disagree, but at least there's a level of agreeableness there that we can go ahead and coexist and breathe the same air and just have an understanding of what occurs between you and I as far as dynamics are concerned. Before I truly knew how to cultivate that, it was manipulated to people-pleasing because I just wanted everything to be okay, right? Like just I've instead of telling you what I need or I'm just going to keep meeting your need, instead of demanding what it is that I will not stand for, and what I'll, I'll just whatever's going to make the waters cool, calm, and collect because I dare not want to go ahead and ruffle up any feathers and do anything that's going to, just equate to a storm because at the end of the day, I don't know if I can swim in that. And the last couple of days, I had this aha moment. I said, oh my gosh, I think that I made it too easy for certain individuals, certain circumstances in my life to just to exist in a way that makes me uncomfortable. I'll give you an example. <laughs> and you know that we protect the uh, names of the grandbabies thereof. You know, we try to make sure that they're innocent, okay? Uh, had a relative call collect. Hmm? Mm-hmm. And you know when somebody's calling collect, that means that they are in, yes, the Akon. Won't let them out, no. Okay, so they're there. And so you get the collect call from, first of all, you got to get the shocker of like, hmm? You got a collect call from. Oh, do you accept? Like, you you have to collect call. Okay, you got to pay for that collect call. How they doing it now? Because I'm not a part of that collect calling grandbaby crew. I don't know nothing about that. But apparently, you had to put in your credit card information for you to even get the call. Okay, and then they ask you right before you accept the call, do you want to um store your credit card information for when they call you again? No. Okay, y'all have a nice day. I'm just trying to figure out what get me whatever I can be told in about 30 to 50 seconds need to be. I don't know if you need to micro machine it. You need to say she had a baby. There's a boy. I don't know what you need to do, but I need you to go ahead and do that. Because um the the per the sense that she said was going to be per minute. I was like, uh, can he send a text? <laughs> because I hate to uh, listen. Give him 140 characters. He better go ahead and speak ebonic sir okay i need you to go ahead and do what needs to be done but fast forward through through the emotion of, of it all uh grandbaby comes on the phone speaks to um my husband to be exact and uh we're listening and we're like uh so what's going what's going on 
Grandbaby proceeds to tell us what led him there. Something so stupid. I'm talking about the most, uh, bro, at least do something heinous. Like, I, I don't want to be that person, but at least tell me that somebody walked up to you and, and said black lives don't matter and you felt the need to Martin Luther King it, but then a little Malcolm X came out. Like, give me something that's like, oh, okay. Not like, what? Like, I'm, I'm even embarrassed to say how the person got there. Because I feel like you go, you promise you won't tell. Because these are real life stories, and I, I, I don't want people to feel like we be gossiping. Okay, I'm a hint. And then you kind of like pick up the piece. Okay. May or may not have to do with something about wearing a helmet. See? I don't even want to talk about it. I'm getting upset. Yes. A helmet. <laughs> a helmet. Grandbaby proceeds to tell us what happened and the shock and awe of the stupidity behind the arrest. Then Grandbaby proceeds to say, uh, bail is 1030 okay, $1,030. And so we're on the phone like, yeah, so, yeah, but it's okay, um, Grandbaby proceeds to say. You just have to pay three fifty because you got to pay a percentage of it. Time out. Hold on. Why was it so easy for you to orchestrate how we getting ready to spend our money on something that you did? Okay, You are the Akon Grandbaby who's locked up. Like, you over there, okay? You call our phone, and then we have to pay for this phone call for you to, to pay to hear you say something stupid. And then you proceed to say, oh, this is how you're getting ready to spend your money. Who? And the words of the good portion from the um, Real Housewives of Atlanta, who said that? <laughs> no, we not. Like, what? And so when I got off that phone or when I saw, you know, when my husband disconnected, I was like, why was it so easy for him to orchestrate how he thought that it was supposed to go with our finances and our time and energy? Let me explain something to you. When it comes to a resource, I'm very particular about how I spend that. And I'm very, I feel very peculiar for people who don't understand that resources are not dime a dozen. Because if $1,030 was just, you know, everybody has it, then why you called us? Okay, we are literally, from this particular grandbaby, about two and a half hours away. At speeding level, probably you can make it down to like an hour and 45 minutes. And so you didn't care about the time that was going to be put into that. You didn't care about the energy because you called late night. Okay. Our phones don't ring this time, but nice, sir. Okay. Thank God we was up next. Next. Um, I'm getting so flustered that we were Netflix and chilling because that's what we do in our marital situation. But um, at this point, um, that's disrespectful. So no thought went into man. I'm getting ready to ask these people who live far away, time and energy, to go ahead and spend their resources, money, and um, have no qualm about it. I was like, you know what? It's the audacity for me. I ain't gonna hold you. What made you think? Like, I want to know what made you conjure up that idea. Because however you came to that conclusion, can you please delete some of those factors? Because I don't want to be brought up in that equation ever again in life. So that was one thing that happened this week. Then, at a particular location, I'm not going to give it away where, I tried to go ahead and assist and help further a situation and put my hand in to help and got slapped and came back with a nub is what is what it equated to. And I was like, mm, 
okay, like, uh, I'm sorry, how, how did me trying to help you turn out to me getting a, a, uh, some type of sass or some type of attitude from you? And I'm trying to help you. Okay, so what we're not going to do is uh, note to self, like, you're going to be on your own. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, like, that, that can't happen. Went ahead, and I'm still trying to get this situation with this great appeal factored out with my school because the way that my professor handled my grade, it's just like it, it is a lot that's going into it. But these folks had the good nerve to tell me uh, that I didn't follow a criteria of, of appealing the grade within five days and blah, 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 and this, that, and the third. When I was told repeatedly that your grade appeal is being viewed by the dean and he was on vacation, so he's catching up. So what I went ahead and did because this thing has been happening, like, when the class ended a couple of months ago, I knew within the time that the class ended that I had a short time frame. Then you tell me the whole following month that, you know, the story about the person being on on summer break or vacation or what have you, and he's coming back. Then the following month, I'm like, time out. Okay, so now we almost going into month two. And now that I start, hey, uh, what's going on here? I'm trying to get some attention. Now you tell me, oh. The rule following grandbaby that I am, you're going to tell me that I missed the time frame? No, ma'am, no, sir. I called my husband immediately. I'm like, hey, I need you to call the cell phone uh, people. Mm -hmm. I need you to have them document every time that I called this particular number from this month to this month. Because now what I'm getting ready to do is go ham, honey, glaze, something so deliciously with the pineapples on top that they're going to think it's Thanksgiving. And so I was riled up in the spirit today because I literally, from my last conversation when I told you, I spent four days trying to process and dissect a discomfort that happened at a location that I wasn't even in four days after. And what I said to myself, I said this one statement and it sent me on a rabbit trail of like, yo, I'm about to go ham now. The statement was, is it that easy? Like, like, is it that easy for someone to make you uncomfortable in your life, to disrespect you in your space, to go ahead and misuse you, to go ahead and try to think that they can use you, either your time, your resources, your whatever. But is it that easy for some to, someone to come into your particular subdivision and just litter on your lawn and nothing is done? Like, I'm not saying go out there and be ferocious, come out with an axe or a gun or, you know, nobody can't do whatever. But, like, are you putting things in place that will let people know it's not that easy to disrespect me? It's not that easy for you to talk to me that way. It's not that easy for you to handle me in that way. It's not that easy. Is it that easy? I thought about going all the way back to Eve. I'm like, dang, it was super easy for the serpent just to come out and be like, um... Why would you want to eat that particular fruit? You don't want to be like Jesus. You don't want to be like God. You don't want to be all knowing and all everything. And she was like, yeah, I want to do it. It was that easy. Like, bro, were you even there 48 hours? It was that easy to snatch away paradise and forever and eternity from you, Eve? It was that easy? I remember when I was younger, uh, I had a homegirl check me so ferociously that it sent me to a whole nother, whole nother path in life. I ain't going to hold you. Um, my phone was blowing up one day because, you know, I had the hotline. Ew, you know, I was the girl or whatever it is that everybody thought was cute and all that. At least that's how I felt in my head. You have a nice day. And so she was like, dang, how many people are you talking to? 
and just platonically talking to. I just, for whatever the reason, you know, I'm a talker. So if I thought somebody was cute or somebody was like, hey, little mommy, you know what I'm saying? Like, how you doing, shorty? Like, eh, you know, threw that New York on it. Um, I was like, here's a digit, 718. You know, I gave them what needed to be given. And so you, I like to talk. And so, so if somebody I was talking to, the conversation got kind of weak. I just had another, you know, I had like four or five different people on rotation for conversational purposes only, like real talk. If I was that chick, I would have just said, listen, I was that grandbaby, but I wasn't. I just really wanted to, I liked company and I was frugal. And so the only way that I can kind of meet those two worlds was talking on the phone. <laughs> I don't want to go nowhere. I don't want you to take me nowhere. I just want you to talk to me is how I was. And I remember my homegirl saying, um, why you give out your number so much? So I gave her the same rundown I just gave you. Bro, I like to talk. And she was like, but do you even like these people? I was like, eh, not really. Like, two of them is cute. The others, I don't really, like, back of their throat smell like somebody's um diaper genie. But it's okay. And they were like, so she said, um, is it that easy to get your phone number? And, and I thought she was calling me a garden tool. I ain't going to hold you. So I was like, I went into straight defense mode. Like, excuse me. <laughs> this grandbaby don't know be doing all that nasty, fresh. And she was like, no, it's not even that. Like, why is it so easy to get access to you? I was like, and she was like, yeah, I don't give out my number like that. I was like, well. You know, I took it as a sign of I'm attractive, and they want an attractive grandbaby's phone number. She was like, yeah, but even still, um, it's that easy to get access to you. Like, it should be a privilege to be able to contact you. I was like, well, <laughs> I've never been so disrespectfully cared for in my life. And that's the same question that even though it was said to me almost two decades ago, that propelled and echoed in my spirit today. I had to ask myself, is it that easy to upset you? Because I had something happen in the workplace before nine o'clock even hit. I looked at the time. And I was like, are you serious? Now, prior me would have looked at it like, oh, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> and it was Monday. So, you know, you had all the reason to go ahead and subscribe and, you know, to the whole, oh, you know, it's a long Monday. It's a, and whatever else comes with the Monday blues. But it was like, you know what? I flipped that. I really felt this Holy Spirit G-check me like, is it that easy to just disrupt you like that? Like, was you upset before you got here? Right, so how they get to upset you when you hear? I was like, mm, I'm so, I'm sorry, I'm making. He was like, you making it easy, like it's not even a struggle to to get your peace. So the Holy Spirit knows that I'm practical. So He was asking me questions. He was like, let me ask you something. When your babies was babies, did you let anybody babysit them? I was like, no. He was like, why? So I went into my tangent, like, because that's my legacy, and those are my children, and I want to be a good mom. And he was like, yeah, but at the end of that, what was the real reason? I was like, because I valued them. He said, so do you not value your peace enough that you're just willing to give it away and let anybody get access to it? How is it that easy to get access to your peace? How is it that easy to disrupt your joy? Either you don't have enough of it or it's too accessible to the outside world. Like, what's good? And I kind of felt like Miley. I was like, Holy Spirit, Nicki Minaj me real quick. I ain't going to hold you. Like, he was like, Miley, what's good? I was like, oh. And it, it, it made me face myself. 
So I did this thing that I zoomed out. And I looked at areas of my life that I was like, am I making it too easy for people to make me uncomfortable in my own life? Like, I'm not going around and making other people uncomfortable. I'm not going around and purposely starting stuff. I'm not going around asking people for large amounts of money that don't make no sense. I'm not putting myself in predicaments that now I got to have somebody else use their resources and time to go ahead and get me out of it. I'm not being careless with how I handle myself that I got to explain and say sorry a whole bunch of stuff. Like, I'm not going into other vicinities of life, to other lawns if you will and lottering into other people's property so how is it that 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 I allow people to decrease the square footage that I'm comfortable with you know that I'm visual so how I visualize that is let's say that we in a box right and that everyone's life represents let's just say a five by five If that's the square footage that you are comfortable living your life in, then that's the square footage that you demand that people respect. No matter where you go, no matter who you commune with, no matter who you relate to, what you are ultimately asking people is make space for me and respect the space that I carved out for myself. So when you get into relationships and people start to ask, like, no, I need you to be a three by three. Matter of fact, you can be five, but I need you to be a five by three. No matter of fact, and people start requesting of you to operate in a smaller space, to decrease, to minimize in order to fit their square footage, you've done yourself an injustice. At that point, it is no longer, oh, such and such is mean or such and such is whatever. At that point, you have to take a strong look in the mirror and ask yourself, why am I okay with operating small? Because this person literally made their boundary more important than mine. Because it can happen one or two ways. You can look at somebody else's square footage, see that there's no room for you, and decide, well, this is how close that we can get. We can only get this close before my square footage starts to be impede. After that, we, we, we can't. There's nothing else to discuss. Or the two of you could go ahead and come up to agreement that you can coexist in your square footage. I can coexist in my square footage. And you know what? We can all coexist. And as a matter of fact, when we come together, we actually have more square footage when we actually are making sure that each other, that we're heard, that we're valuing each other that we're respecting each other, and that we're making room for one another because earth already has all the playing field that we need. We just need to make sure that each other's square footage is respected. Or the latter can happen where someone continuously overshadows and oversteps your square footage to the point that you now have to make the big girl or big boy decision to say, I can't coexist where you are, so I have to remove myself. Because the thing about people who are overwhelming in that degree, they don't remove themselves. The person who keeps asking for money never comes to a point that they say, you know what, I should stop asking for money. Because I'm sure you probably have your own bills and your your own things that you have to do. And you probably have goals and financial, like you're pretty good with money. So I'm sure there's some goals that you want to meet. They're not looking at your pockets that way. They're looking at the pockets like if you're accessible, I'm going to keep asking. 
The dude that keeps calling you and saying that he's going to do right, but then he gets the opportunity and he messes up again, but this time it's going to be different, and now we're on a whole different different phone number because you changed it, but you gave it to him. And all that, you know, the whole rabbit trail, like the hamster wheel that you're doing. Like, what part don't you understand that your square footage is not important to him? That you demanding monogamy or respect or whatever it is that's minute that you need from him, he has already made a determination moons ago that he's not going to do that for you. That's why females get so upset that they can stay with a dude for eons and then he meets somebody in two weeks and he loves her and he marries her in six months. Why? Because maybe he met somebody for the first time in his life that she was like, look, partner, I don't know what you used to, but you're not going to do that here. And he was like, my God, boundaries. That is sexy. <laughs> and now they they matrimony. And she checks him. And she lets him know, listen, you can do what you want, but I'm not ugly. <laughs> and I'm educated. And I can, listen, you think that you're not a catch? Bro, I allowed you to uh, be in my aura. And just like I allowed you to be here, I can allow someone else. So do do right by your time or um, get run over. Have a nice day. Oh, there's not a lot of those out there no more. It's not a lot of females that stand up for themselves. That's like if I got to choose between being lonely or dealing with your crap, bro, I'll take loneliness for 200, but, I, but I'm going to be lonely and dope. I'm going to go ahead and be living a life that looks like I want to be a part of yours. No, because now I created such a life and I created such an ambiance in my own personal life that now I'm real picky on who gets to share this life with me. Before how I was dating was I was going out and making, trying to see who I can make a life with. And, and you know, I think he and I will work well together. No, no, no. I've established something so dope in my own personal time that now I'm very picky on who gets to join that with me. Sir, the same thing with you. I need you to become such a commodity that they chasing you. And now you get to go ahead and it's like you interviewing females. Like, I mean, we can get, listen, everybody can do the hump thing, right? Everybody can do the thing that's fresh that you're supposed to do when you're married and people do when they're not married, but that's fine. But everybody can get that. You can get that in, in a club. It's not even, it's not even valued anymore. Are we really chasing a cat at this point or are you chasing somebody that you like, if I add you to my life, are you going to derail me? Like, yeah, if I made a mistake and made you the mother of my child, am I going to regret that for 21 years? Like, if I made a mistake and put you on, like, my insurance or something, is it going to be like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I didn't get a chance to get to know that was in your family line and this, that, and the third. If I add you to my lease, am I going to keep finding you where I left you when I woke up and went to work? Like, do you drain me? Or are you the woman that I always have been waiting for? Because with you, n- now I'm on levels that I've never seen before. Because now I got something, someone else I want to work hard for. Now when I look at you, I see family. I don't just see a big butt. Now when I see you, I see, you know what? We can make, we could be a power couple. I can make this a dynasty. I'm, ch- I'm looking for dynasty, mom. I'm not looking for no dinner date. That, that's young and talk. Do you understand? Like, when you start moving different, like, right, it's not that easy. It's not that easy to pull up to my chair, to pull up to my table in life, to pull up to anything that I worked hard in. You get real selective when you know how much hard work you put into that. You get real selective when you understand that what you carry is not common. 
You get real selective when you are clear that God put an anointing on you that may annoy everybody else, but to the right person, it's going to propel and be something that is so dope that it's like, where were you? People messed up with you? That's why you see the memes and stuff that it's like, I'm so glad Buddy messed up. <laughs> I'm so glad that that female didn't, couldn't see you for who they were. I'm glad that everybody's Stevie Wonder in these streets because I pray that for every single person that nobody won't see you the way that the person that God has for you will see you. I pray that nobody else sees your potential. Nobody else. I want everybody to walk past you and just think like, oh, you, did, you a beat up sneaker, not even knowing that you are a limited edition Yeezy. You understand what I'm trying to say? I want us to live a life that you just don't give away what is precious so easy. And you know that I'm always going to go ahead and revert it back to the Bible. And I thought about the prophet in 1 Kings 13. And I was like, you know what? If he don't fit this, this conversation to the T, I don't know who does. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a backdrop. So God pretty much told this prophet, I need you to go ahead and go to Jeroboam. And I need you to tell buddy I'm over him, okay? Uh, I need you to curse him. I need you to do some things that's going to really make him like, uh, wait a minute. Uh, I think God is not playing with me. And then once you get his attention, uh, I have a particular set of instructions for you. So let me go ahead and just read. I'm going to start. Eh, let's just start from the top. So verse one, at the Lord's command, a man of God from Judah went to Bethel, arriving there just just as Jeroboam was approaching the altar to burn incense Two, then at the Lord's command, he shouted, oh, altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A child named Josiah will be born into the dynasty of David. On you, he will sacrifice the priests from the pagan shrines who come here to burn incense and human bones will burn on you. Three. That same day, the man of God gave a sign to prove his message. He said, the Lord has promised to give this sign. This altar was split apart and its ashes will pour out on the ground. Four, when King Jeroboam heard the man of God speaking against the altar at Bethel, he pointed at him and shouted, seize that man. But instantly the king's hand became paralyzed in that position and he couldn't pull it back. At the same time, a wide crack appeared in the altar and the ashes poured out, just as the man of God had predicted in his message from the Lord. Six, getting juicy. The king cried out to the man of God, please ask the Lord your God to restore my hand again. So the man of God prayed to the Lord and the king's hand was restored and he could move it again. Seven, then the king said to the man of God, come to the palace with me. And have something to eat, and I will give you a gift. Eight. But the man of God said to the king, even if you gave me half of everything you own, I would not go with you. I would not eat or drink anything in this place. Nine. For the Lord gave me this command. You must not eat or drink anything while you are there, and do not return to Judah by the same way you came. Ten. So he left Bethel and went home another way. Okay, that's a good rule-following grandbaby, right? Let's continue to read on. 11, as it happened, there was an old prophet living in Bethel, and his sons came home and told him what the man of God had done in Bethel that day. They also told their father what the man had said to the king. 12, 
the old prophet asked them, which way did he go? So they showed their father, which road the man of God had taken. 13, quick, saddle the donkey, the old man said. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he mounted it. 14, then he rode after the man of God and found him sitting under a great tree. The old prophet asked him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? Yes, I am, he replied. 15, then he said to the man of God, come home with me and eat some food. 16, no, I cannot, he replied. I'm not allowed to eat or drink anything here in this place. 17, for the Lord gave me this command. You must not eat or drink anything while you are there and do not return to Judah by the same way you came. 18, but the old prophet answered, I am a prophet too, just as you are. And an angel gave me this command from the Lord. Bring him home with you so he can have something to eat and drink. But the old man was lying to him. 19. So they went back together and the man of God ate and drank at the prophet's home. 20. Then while they were sitting at the table, a command from the Lord came to the old prophet. 21. He cried out to the man of God from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord and have disobeyed the command the Lord your God gave you. 22. You came back to this place and ate and drank where he told you not to eat or drink. Because of this, your body will not be buried in the grave of your ancestors. 23. After the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the old prophet saddled his donkey for him. 24. And the man of God started off again. But as he was traveling along, a lion came out and killed him. His body laid there on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. Here's the thing. Why was it so easy for someone to override what God already told this man? It was cool when somebody else asked him, like, you know what? You did, you went ahead and restored my hand. I ain't going to hold you. I want to thank you. But the way that we thank people here, you know, we're going to go ahead and kill the fattened calf and, you know, make the bread with the yeast. And we get about to get real Thanksgiving. So come back to the palace. Let's start off with some grapes, you know, some hors d'oeuvres or whatever. And I want to thank you. And Buddy was like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good on you, okay? I don't care if you offered me everything that is in this palace. I'm good on you because of how you rock with God. But then also, comma, uh, um, God told me not to go ahead and eat nothing anyway. And I also cannot, uh, go back the same way that I came. So I'm about to head out and he SpongeBob memed, <laughs> you know, he went ahead and went head out. The problem is, is that, uh, with him informing of too much, uh, he gave someone the heads up on how to defeat him. See, the man didn't ask him, Hey, can you, uh, come to my palace and then also can you go back and it was no reason for the old prophet to tell the the king and I also am not supposed to go back the same way that I came he could have just left it on a nah I'm good on you I don't I'm not eating with you you can have a nice day or gave a little bit like nah God commanded me not to and kept it moving but because he gave too much he gave somebody else too much access on how to defeat him it was that easy? Somebody just says one thing and you tell them everything that God said? Somebody somebody uh, has an inkling of something that is familiar to you. Now you just blurb it out because that's the same thing that happened with the man, right? 
The prophet told the old prophet, listen, no, 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 I can't go back and eat with you. And because, and God also said, I can't go back the same way I came. And all Buddy had to say was, oh, I'm a prophet like you. And I got a word from the, from an angel. Well, I ain't going to hold you. That same angel got my phone number and I didn't get that text. Okay. And so until God comes back and says something to me the same way that he told me the first time not to, until he comes back and revise that, then this is what I've been told. This is my assignment, point blank, the period. That's why so many people get tripped up in relationships because God already answered you. But then now you starting to see signs of something that you see as promise and potential. And so you start moving on. And then when you realize, oh, my gosh, however many months or years later that this relationship is still hurtful because this person is still not healed. You go back to God crying. And he's like, I already told you that that person wasn't it. When you go ahead and you're in a position and God is like, listen, I don't I want you to go ahead and do something here at this job. You have an assignment here at this job. I need you to go ahead and infect the infectiousness that has happened in this job for so long. And here you are applying the jobs and applying the jobs and applying the jobs. And you wondering why nobody's hiring you. And so but you like what's going on? I'm degreed. I have all these other different things. I have experience. I have this, that and the third. And what you don't realize is that God already told you some time ago, I need you to do something something here so until you do something here what you want won't be unlocked until you do what God has for you what you want what you want won't be unlocked did you ever realize that it literally you can literally I'm gonna give you a spoiler alert you can expedite the process by just being obedient I guarantee you the thing that you have been running from for a year, God told you a year ago how to dismantle it. I guarantee you the very thing that you're like, you know what? I can't, I don't know how much longer I can do this. This is ridiculous. He already gave you the clue within the last 30 days. It's like God is not making it where you are on this path and it's this majestic journey that only you can find out how to do it on the next. It's like your life is not a show where he gets entertained by If you can figure it out by yourself or not, you can ask him and you shall receive. Isn't that what Matthew 7 says? That if you knock, the door shall be open. That if you ask, it shall be given to you. That if you search for God in your whole heart with true obedience, with true diligence, that he will reveal himself to you. That nothing is a mystery to God. That he wants to let you know what it is. And here you are walking around in life and trying to figure out how come something's not happening. The real question is, why are you not doing what he asked you to do? Either one or two things. He told you to do something. He told you not to do something. And you did the direct opposite. It started from the garden. He told them grandbabies, do not eat of this particular tree, okay? And they were like, okay, so we're going to eat from there. I don't know why, but we're going to do it. He told you, don't date such and such. And you were like, okay, but I'm just going to be his friend with benefits. I don't really know. He told you, leave old girl alone. You were like, but she really needs a positive influence. And now I love her. I don't know how that happened. Okay, yeah. It's like, what part? What part don't you understand about it's really clear? He says, I lay before you life and death. Choose life. Which answer are you going to circle? He said the answer to number one is A, but I'm going to put A and B in front of you. Which one are you going to answer? And you, with all your good grade, maybe might choose B. How? How are you okay with that? 
Is it that easy to lose in your particular life, in your particular sphere of influence, in your particular assignment, the thing that God has for you? Is it that easy? So that's my challenge for you, and that's my question for you. Because you can put this in any vicinity and arena of your life. Is it that easy to sue your joy? Is it that easy for somebody to have access to your peace? Is it that easy for somebody to have access to your body? Is it that easy for somebody's words to keep replaying in your mind and causing mental torment and emotional strain? Is it that easy for somebody to make a decision and decide they're going to go ahead and bulldoze their way through your life and either go ahead and make you feel guilty for not doing something or put some stuff together that you like, hey, that's unfair. You couldn't do that to anybody else and get that same result. But for some reason, you made it easy for them. You made it easy for somebody not to take care of their responsibilities. You made it easy for such and such to dump work on you at work. You made it that easy for somebody to just keep talking to you like you don't got no sense. You made it that easy. Why? Why did you make it that easy? And if it's hard for you to go ahead and, and, and answer the why right now, that's okay. But to ask God, what is the strategic thing that you need to put in place to stop that? Because God didn't create you to be no punching bag. God didn't create you to be nobody's paperweight. And God didn't create you to be nobody's escape route or escape goat. You are valuable. You have your own purpose. You have, God has his own plan for your life. There are some great things that is supposed to be occurring on your timeline. And you are not going to allow anybody else's grandbaby to divert God's plan. The absolute in do you understand that you're done from this conversation on you are done it will never be that easy to upset you again it will never be that easy to use you in that way once you know jokes on them for the rest of their life because now you're not naive in that area shouts out to making me more wise in that area prior to you but after you I'm going to be brilliant in this area it will never be you need to make a declaration in your spirit that it would never be another time that somebody else gets to come into your particular space and minimize you Nobody else with a social security number can come to your social security number and take off a digit. Never again. That is exactly the visual that I want you to have when you allow someone to so easily and haphazardly dump into your life, pull from your life, fumigate what was once good oxygen before they came into your life or your space. Do you understand that? It's not going to be that easy. It's not going to be that easy no more. You are not the staples button. It is not that easy. Have a nice day. But I feel like you got what you needed. Yep. You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not, not the average person is going to have with you, but who your favorite homegirl. Spill her own tea, okay? Boil the water, brew it, add the lemon, the honey, Hand you a spoon, stir my own, sip it with you. Who but your favorite homegirl? Who but your who but your who but your favorite homegirl? Hmm. Right. But anyway, listen. I'm gonna go ahead and let you let me go because um I'm getting ready to write some sticky notes on my mirror to remind me that it's never gonna be that easy again. <laughs> I'm on one. You heard me. All right. Talk to you later. Later. <laughs>